Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting next to my partner in crime, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, we made it. It is week yeah. one. It is Packers Bears kicking off the NFL's 100th season on Thursday night football. And we have a lot of Packers Bears stuff to get to today and over the next couple of days leading up to Thursday. But we need to review this Packers 53-man roster first because it was a busy weekend at 1265. The roster cuts were made. The waiver period occurred. These guys were signed to the practice squad. The Packers have their 53-man roster for now, Wes. And on it, there are only two quarterbacks. There are nine offensive linemen. There are seven cornerbacks. Where do you want to start with this? I think you want to start with the quarterbacks. All right. Um, me speaking for both of us, I guess, when I say that. But sure. It's the story that everybody followed throughout training camp and preseason, and typically it's always the one that is on the tip of everyone's tongue. And in this particular case, it ends up being Tim Boyle uh, that gets the nod here to be the backup to Aaron Rodgers. They bring back Manny Wilkins on the practice squad. Deshaun Kaiser is waived. He ends up with John Gruden now in Oakland. From Boyle's perspective, what a story this has become for this young man. I mean, when you we've talked about it ad nauseum now about the the journey he traveled, coming from the route that he did, mm-hmm. the adversity he had to overcome at UConn. And I just thought it spoke volumes about his development that you could talk about the six touchdowns, you could talk about the you know the drives, the three consecutive scoring drives uh, against Oakland. But what really stands out to me the most is no interceptions. And that was sort of his bugaboo a little bit when he was coming into the league was t- you know turning over the football. But, you know, the people I've talked to about him have said a lot of those things were just circumstantial in college. Yeah. And I think to his point, he feels like he needs to still grow. There's still a lot of, you know, potential in front of him. But to be in this position now, to be the primary backup to Aaron Rodgers, I think it's something that's well-deserved for Boyle. Well, I think the biggest thing, you said it, Wes, if you look at where Tim Boyle is now compared to where he was as a college player, it's that – somehow some way he's learned to protect the football because he the numbers in college said it all in terms of the times that the ball was being turned over and really when you look at it we talk about long shot stories in training camp and how this guy makes it and this guy really you know has a shot you know maybe maybe not but if you looked at Tim Boyle's college statistics when he first signed as an undrafted rookie with the Packers and said that guy 2 years later is going to be Aaron Rodgers backup for the Green Bay Packers offense, nobody would have believed that. And that's just a credit to Tim Boyle and the progress that he's made. You know, it. I don't want to use all the cliches about nose to the grindstone and everything like that, but this is a guy who has gone about everything the right way, even down to when there are 25 reporters crowded around Aaron Rodgers' locker to ask him questions, Tim Boyle is standing off to the side listening to how the A number one two-time MVP quarterback is answering those questions. Absolutely. So, In- Oh, hello. Wait, hello. are you guys on? What's going on? Are you guys on? We yeah. are. You guys are on? Yeah. <laughs> Hi, John. All right. Hey, well, should we do this? You want to jump in? Yeah. This is all you. I all don't right. have anything, but yep. I don't You're... have anything going on. Oh. We can do this. You all want... right. You can take this over if you want. You don't even need the chair. You can just jump into my spot. No, Nothing. let's just kick it. What do you guys got? <laughs> Nothing what, like the what, start what, what of the regular season. Right well, we were talking about Tim Boyle. I don't know if audio-wise you're going to be able to pick up, though. Does this amplify enough? We were talking about Tim Boyle and the fact that he deserved it. 
you being someone that came from, you know, a smaller school, went an indirect route, I mean, I'm guessing you could probably relate to his story a little bit. Yeah, I love his story. I mean, he, he, he bounced around a little in college, but then he, he gets here to the NFL, works his way up from, uh, from being relatively unknown, and here he is now. He's the number two quarterback for the Green Bay Packers behind Aaron Rodgers, a future Hall of Famer. Absolutely. John Kuhn jumping in with us here at Packers Unscripted. We're going unscripted here at this point. This is totally unscripted, In honest to goodness, folks. <laughs> but when we're talking about long shot stories, though, we also have to talk about Darius Shepard, the undrafted rookie wide receiver from North Dakota State. And you talk about what's on paper, as I just mentioned yeah. with Boyle, when a guy arrives, okay, five foot nine from an FCS school coming into a wide receiver group that has Devontae Adams, has three draft picks from the previous year, has Geronimo Allison, an established pro. And here, this guy Darius Shepard ends up making the 53-man roster. Again, hats off to a guy who did everything the right way to get where he is. So I was racking my brain about this. Do you ever recall either your time in Green Bay, Pittsburgh, New Orleans, a guy that came in as a tryout player and made the 53 as a rookie? Because Lucas Patrick did it, but it was a year after he was on the practice squad. Yeah, the last guy, Bostick did it, but it was a year after on the practice. The last squad. guy who did it in Green Bay was Jarrett Boykin in right. 2012. Oh, yeah. But even his story is it's a different. little bit different because he was signed by the Jacksonville Jaguars right after the draft. But then the Jaguars released him almost immediately yeah. because they found another guy. Whatever they didn't have a spot on the 90-man roster. So then Boykin comes to Green Bay as a tryout guy on rookie orientation weekend, then ends up getting a contract and makes the 53 as a rookie. Darius Shepard, nobody signed him right. after the draft. Absolutely nobody. And his tryout opportunity was in Green Bay, and he came out of that tryout camp and got a contract. And one of the more impressive things that I've ever seen when you look at the position that the Packers were in, they had three returning receivers that were all draft picks the previous year. Jake Kumaro established himself in this offense. Geronimo Allison was coming back from the core injury. And then Trevor Davis, who everybody sort of forgot about, he ends up having a tremendous camp. So when, for Shepard to do that, pretty impressive. When you look at it, Trevor Davis really had probably the best camp, and it right. came at such a great time because yeah. the wide receiver position, albeit young, was pretty deep there. At one point in time, there was nine guys yeah. that you could see making the roster. So for what he did in those last two preseason games, he really made the claim like, hey, I'm here, don't you forget about me yet. And yeah. I think he's going to be an integral part of this offense. And it's really interesting, too. I'm going to put this in a story that will be on Packers.com later this week, but Devontae Adams recounted this where the right when the rookies had signed, the first, uh, I think it was an IPW practice, where they all get integrated in with everybody else. Matt LaFleur, the coaching staff, had all of the rookies stand in front of the room and say state what their signing bonus was. Darius Shepard had to go after Darnell Savage. Darnell Savage goes up there, <laughs> however many seven-figure numbers. Darius Shepard goes, Darius Shepard, North Dakota State, zero dollars. Zero dollars. And here Good he for him, nothing, man. Good for him. Got he's, he's got some dollars here. now. So. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. The other thing I will say, too, and I, I may be completely off my rocker here, but there's a part of me, when I saw that Shepard had made this roster, and what you said, John, about Trevor Davis, and we talked about how he came on so strong, in the early part of camp, and then when he came back after the injury. And the role that I think that type of receiver has in this offense, it made me wonder when Shepard made the team if that's the hedge against if something were to happen again to Davis that Matt LaFleur doesn't lose that type of player. He's got another guy, a small, speedy guy, a return guy, all those things that Davis brings. 
Shepherd also brings, and it doesn't go completely out the window just because, you know, something might happen to Davis. Yeah, and the other thing you want to avoid, too, is Tremont Williams, as much as you tip your cap to him last year for jumping in on punt returns, that wasn't the plan. Right. You want to have multiple options. I think Shepard gives them that spot. I think they're, they may be hedging bets now with the roster being set, but I think it was those first two weeks when Trevor missed because right. of the practice injury with the Texans yeah. that Darius really stepped up and said, hey, look at me, guys. I think that's where he made his name. So indirectly, directly, either way, they're both on the roster. Yeah. yeah. Can I ask one question since we're really going off script? Absolutely. Danny Vitale sticks as the fullback you got a chance to talk to him a little bit obviously spend some time with him you know during training mm-hmm. camp when you look at the fullback position and how it's evolving now in the NFL to me and not to lead you into the question but it just seems like he's the perfect embodiment of kind of what you're looking for from that position in 2019 yeah I mean he he missed a couple preseason games and 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 I know that limited what we got to see him in the preseason but when you look at the upside for what he can do he really runs routes like a tight end he's a little bit smaller than a tight end but he runs routes very similar to a tight end uh, which is which is great to have in this offense because there's a lot of fullback wheel routes and 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 seam routes and stuff downfield 20 yard receptions uh, downfield for a fullback which is not something that you see in a lot of offenses so you need to be versatile in that aspect and with kind of being nimble in the same mind he he needs to get through the line he needs to get his read to the mic to the safety to the sam whoever he's blocking on these outside zone plays and i mean he, he's got the versatility to do all of that yeah well, and you got to have three Northwestern guys. Yeah, there's that too, right? Roster. There is that. You got Lowry, Lancaster, now Danny Vitale. How could I They're guess that around. you're going to work that in somehow? Of course, I had to. We all know my affinity there. <laughs> but folks, uh, Select Cousin Subs locations are now offering delivery, whether you're ordering catering or your favorite sub. They're delivering right to you when you order online at CousinSubs.com. Cousin Subs, we believe in better. All right, guys. Packers-Bears, it's week one. It's the kickoff of the NFL's 100th season. There are any number of storylines we could talk about here. One of the more intriguing ones to me is that as Matt LaFleur is getting ready for his first game as an NFL head coach, the guy on the other side was doing exactly the same thing in almost exactly the same circumstances last year. And Matt Nagy, he's getting ready for the Bears for his first game as a head coach. It's against the arch-rival Packers. It's on national television, Sunday night football as opposed to Thursday night football. But the circumstances are eerily similar and uh, I just I find it interesting that now that Matt LaFleur is almost exactly in Matt Nagy's shoes from a year ago it's really quite an interesting situation for the Packers to be in right now and Aaron Rodgers even said it 30 to 40 percent of the time you're going to see a lot of unscouted looks in a game like this but the the part of this matchup that intrigues me the most is the fact that you have Mike Pettin coming back with his defense and you have Matt Nagy coming back with his offense but now you got Matt LaFleur and his offense and Chuck Pagano picking up where Vic Fangio left off with the Bears defense defense everyone knows what the Bears are capable of you look at it and it's just a murderer's row of of talent that they have particularly in that front seven so seeing exactly how this newfangled offense that the Packers have and Aaron Rodgers said you know you got to be patient with it it's going to be a work in progress but seeing how that matches up with probably one of the the stiffest tests it's going to face this entire season it's going to be a big key to victory yeah and I'd like to get John's perspective here while we have him because we hear a lot from guys like Rodgers from coaches about all the unscouted looks early in the season especially the first three or four games so from your time in the league just how different is September football because of all the newness of everything and what guys hide you know they hide stuff and don't put it on film in the preseason and all that how different is September football from the rest of the regular season well it is 
pretty different, and especially the first game. Because the second okay. game, you have a body of work you can draw from. But this first game, the Bears are going to be watching our preseason games, but they're going to be pulling up stuff from uh, when LaFleur was in L.A. and when LaFleur was in Atlanta, and they're going to be saying, this is what the Packers are going to do. They're going to be trying to hit us with stuff with this. Just like we're going to be showing these guys stuff from when Chuck Pagano was in India right. and, how, sure. and when he was in Baltimore and saying, this is kind of more what the defense is going to look here from Chicago than what it looked last year. But to Chicago's defense, their 3-4 defense is their 3-4 defense. These guys are playing the same positions. Right. They're just playing a little bit different of a play-calling style. Chicago definitely has – they have the edge on the learning curve with their new coordinator versus us. But nobody knows what this is going to look like. Right. You haven't seen an <laughs> offense like this with Aaron Rodgers. It's – Hopefully when we open that present uh, on Thursday night, that, that Christmas present we've been waiting for for weeks, yeah. it's a big shiny toy and it comes out perfect. So yeah. this, this challenge against the Bears defense is really something because you look, you look at what that Chicago Bears defense did last year. First in the league in takeaways. They actually scored six defensive touchdowns last year, which is a pretty remarkable number. They were first in the league in yards allowed i believe first in the league in points allowed first in the league against the run run um and from a personnel standpoint you know khalil mack akeem hicks leonard floyd roquan smith all those guys in the front seven are still there the biggest change really is the is the safety swap between the two teams adrian amos now in green bay haha clinton dicks is uh is in chicago so how do you see this uh, this Bears defense? I guess my question to you, Wes, is just how different do you think this Bears defense is going to be with Chuck Pagano versus Vic Fangio when there's been so little change in personnel? Yeah, and it's really, I think, going to come down to that secondary in the fact that you have Busker Scrine now, too, as in there as their nickel after one of the changes at that spot as well. Adrian Amos had been sort of the the leader, the the captain, the, the guy that brings everything together. And to be honest with you, as talented as Eddie Jackson was coming out of Alabama and coming off the injury that he did, I think Amos, and not to take any credit away from Jackson, but I think Amos, I mean, that's great to have a veteran like that that's been in the league that started every game that he's played working alongside you in that in that capacity. So sure. seeing how Clinton Dix, you know, moves into that spot, Devontae Adams said even, you know, he's one of his best friends. You know, they go back a long way. They enter the league at the same time. But he has a few new tricks for him as well that he wants to show. So you know what you're going to get with Mac. You know, everybody in that front. I mean, to my, me personally, I look at Roquan Smith. I think that's one of the most exciting young inside linebackers in this game. Danny Trevathan right next to him. So that standpoint, you know what you're going to get. It's that secondary. And seeing how Aaron Rodgers reacts to it is going to be the big thing to follow. Because – Outside, Kyle Fuller's as good as they come. Yeah, Kyle Fuller, certainly a, a veteran cornerback that Aaron Rodgers and these Packers receivers have faced numerous times. John, what's your take on this whole the the switch of the safeties? The Ha Ha Clinton Dix is now in Chicago, and Adrian Amos is in Green Bay. It's going to be a storyline. A lot yep. of people want to talk about. Ultimately, do you think it'll? Do you think that? change in personnel specifically will have a big impact on this game? Uh, I, I believe it will have a big impact down the stretch of the season, but in this game specifically, the only way it could possibly have an impact is these guys have seen these skill players on the other teams, so yeah. they kind of know how they run routes, they kind of have tells, or so they think. Yeah. These guys could be set up for something by one of these receivers, and I know what Devontae's talking about. He, you know, Ha-Ha's played against him for years, he knows what he's, routes he's going to run, but does he? It, you know, right. They can come out with a double move or kind of of uh, one of the bite routes where it looks like he's going to the post and come back. So, th- so, so that that being said, 
it's only if they really, really epically fail would impact this game. I think the true test of this game is the run offense for our guys versus the number one rush defense from a year ago. Yeah. We now run the outside zone, which is perfect for this defense because Akeem Hicks is the run stuffer of this defense. We got to get him running sideways early on, but which way do we run? Do we run at Mac? He's so good at stopping a run, right. you might want to make him chase down on the backside. But he's that fast too. I'd say he's pretty good at chasing yeah, plays yeah, from the backside I, I, as well. That's the hardest part. Is, is Max still? You know, you want to get Hakeem Nicks moving with the or Hakeem Hicks moving with with the front with the outside zone. But which way do you run? Do you run at Mac or do you run away from him? Yeah, no doubt. And also from the standpoint too, when this game breaks down, I I mean we haven't seen Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams yet. Right. I mean, that's what one of those I was guys just going to say. Playing in this preseason. And as Aaron Rodgers said, that isn't going to dictate anything. If they come out slow, it's not because they didn't play in the preseason. If they come out fast, it's not going to be because they didn't play in the preseason and were rested. But seeing how Aaron Jones, I mean, to me, that was the biggest storyline of the offseason, other than everyone making a big thing out of LaFleur and Rodgers, is the fact that what LaFleur has done with running backs in the past, what that offense has done, how they incorporate them in the passing game, how they get them open in space, Aaron Jones is perfect for it, and Jamal Williams is a natural pass catcher. And will there be a pitch count? I mean, yeah, these guys right? have not played Absolutely. in a game yet. Now there's going to be 70 plays on offense. What's the pitch count going to be? Aaron Jones has never touched the ball more than 20 times in a game, yet he averages 5.5 yards a carry. I'd like to see him touch the ball a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, when we look at what's going on with the Green Bay Packers right now, the first full practice in preparation for the Bears was on Sunday. And a couple of things uh, from an injury standpoint. Jimmy Graham, who's been dealing with a, a finger injury, he missed some time at the end of training camp. He was back on the practice field. And Kevin King, who has been out essentially since family night with a hamstring issue, he was also back on the practice field. So the Packers working their way back here to try to get as close to full strength as possible for this opener. Yeah, and they did everything they could to get to this spot uh, and being as healthy as possible, and especially given this time frame that they were given. I mean, I don't know how many times you opened up on a Thursday night or how you know Mike McCarthy handled it, but when you have a seven-day timeline like that, you have to be cognizant of your guys. I thought Matt LaFleur did that for the most part. I mean, there's a couple role players that were ingrained in that rotation against Kansas City, but for the most part, it was about making sure that, okay, we're going to have a healthy 53 out there, a healthy 46 out there going into Chicago. And as Aaron Rodgers said, there may be a couple pebbles along the road, but as long as you have your main guys and your core offense and defense available, you'll have the horses to get through it. Well, they bubble wrap these starters in the preseason. Now. <laughs> they just want to get them to the games. It's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. wild. I mean, the preseason will, will definitely change. But where the Packers truly lucked out is they had four Thursday night right. preseason games in a row. This weekly schedule is their new weekly schedule. I mean, you you basically walk in here on Sunday and say, well, this is our Wednesday. And everybody knows it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that routine is something that the Packers are going to have to deal with it again with a Thursday night game in week four. So, uh, um, so nothing, uh, nothing new. This is, this is uh, one of the more unusual, I think, starts to the season we've seen with uh, two Thursday night games in September and the Packers obviously opening with back-to-back -back division opponents here, Chicago and Minnesota. And you didn't even talk about the biggest storyline of this entire thing. Eddie Pinero is the kicker <laughs> for the Chicago Bears. They're sticking with him. They're sticking with him. He had some rough spots. Are either of you surprised it's not Sam Ficken? I'm surprised it's not Sam Fick. I'm I'm a little I'm a little surprised. I will admit. I, I mean, I thought that's who it was going to be. I well, and with what's been going on in Minnesota with their kicking situation, yeah. they they ended up 
releasing the guy that they traded a fifth round draft pick yeah. to Baltimore for, and then didn't they just swap punters yeah, yesterday? They yeah. yeah, they, they picked released up a guy Cole and pick, yeah, they picked up Colquitt. So, yeah, what's been going on in the division with uh, with with these teams and these teams the Packers are playing right out of the gate? It's been interesting. Yeah, and I don't know how you felt about it back in 2012, but even when Mason was going through his tough times and, and Giorgio Tavecchio came in. I still felt, you know, through that entire time, if Mason's your guy, you feel confident that he's going to be able to work through this. And there were signs of that at the end of 2012 going into 13, I should say. Then you then you stick with your guy. The only thing I can go off of right now with Chicago is that they've been through such a carousel right now with their kickers. They're finally like, we trust this guy's talent. We're going to try to stick by him because if you just keep that carousel moving, you're never going to get any balance. So I, to your answer your question, I was surprised. But after hearing Matt Nagy talk about it, I mean, I guess you got to kind of hope that if you show enough confidence in a guy, he's going to perform. It takes a lot of courage to have to swap out a kicker moments before the opener right. yeah. of the season. Yeah. And it, it, Eddie Panero's been there. They said he's been practicing at his uh, at the at Le- uh, Soldier Field instead of at the facility. They think they have something. That's the right call. And if you remember, that's the, basically the reason they got into this problem in the first place is cutting bait on Robbie Gold too mm-hmm. early and. It's difficult to find a kicker when you don't have one. I can only imagine the tension that'll be in that stadium in Soldier Field if there is a big Bears field goal in the fourth quarter and if it just happens to be from 43 yards away. That's why you trust your kicker, Michael. All right. Well, with that, (laughs) we are going to sign off on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. Big thanks to John Kuhn for hopping in with us on a truly truly unscripted holiday Labor Day edition. Hope everyone enjoys the holiday out there. On Twitter, he's at West Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford. You are? KuhnJ30. KuhnJ30. At Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We will see you next time.